This morning's scripture reading comes from John chapter 11, verses 1, 3 to 4, and 38 to 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord for us. Every so often the headlines break through with the death of a world leader or a dictator or some public or religious figure. And, And isn't it interesting to see that when that person was despised, there's great celebration and rejoicing. You see the streets flooded and you see uh, statues toppling. Now, if the person is revered and honored and beloved, there is great mourning. In fact, it was interesting for me, I, I recently learned that there is already protocol in place for when Queen Elizabeth II passes away. Uh, and she's turning 95 years old this month, by the way. One of the more interesting details for that protocol following the death of the queen is that the BBC will suspend all comedy programming for 12 days. There is to be no laughing in England (laughs) when the queen dies. Well, this weekend we celebrate King Jesus. In fact, the globe over, we are celebrating the resurrection because even though he died a gruesome death, On the cross, he is not dead. No, he is alive. And so we're not suspending all laughing. We're not even overcome with grief because he rose again. By the way, if I say something that stirs your spirit this morning, you have the freedom to vocalize. You could say amen, you could say preach it, you could say right on. Maybe that's just a John Reisner, I don't know, but... Feel free to do that. If, if I say something and there's something in you that just wants to affirm it, you agree with it. Um, because we have such good news to proclaim this morning that Jesus rose from the grave. In fact, even for those of us who place our trust in him, we too will be raised to life. Raised to life. And that is just what we're going to talk about this morning. So my name is John. I'm just thrilled that you're here with us for Resurrection Sunday, and I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. So this morning, we are going to be studying a passage in John chapter 11. If you have your Bible with you, I would encourage you to turn there. This is the story of the raising of Lazarus, this miracle where a man comes out of the grave. Uh, Troy just read this for us, a few verses uh, from this passage a few moments ago. 
Because Jesus is the source of resurrection. Jesus is the source of life. And so his miracle of resurrecting Lazarus shows that Jesus holds eternity in his hands. So here's what happens. Jesus gets a message that his friend is sick. So we're in John chapter 11. We see this in verse 3. He gets the message. Lord, the one you love is sick. His friend is clinging to life. He's knocking on death's door. And so his sisters, Mary and Martha, send for Jesus. But Jesus doesn't really seem very troubled by this news. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't say, oh my goodness, I have to get to Lazarus immediately. If we look at the very next verse, verse 4, he declares this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And then Jesus does the unexpected. He does nothing. <laughs> he, he does nothing. He, he takes no action. He, he proclaims that this sickness is not going to end in death, but then he doesn't rush to the deathbed. He doesn't go to his friend Lazarus to bring healing. He stays where he is for several more days. He does absolutely nothing, and Lazarus dies. Now, if you don't know much about the life and ministry of Jesus, he healed a lot of people. That was kind of part of his ministry was he could heal those that were sick. He had healed so many people before. So why didn't he go to Lazarus and heal him? How could he sit there and do nothing while his friend passed away? Doesn't it just irk you when God doesn't do the things that you want him to? Doesn't it just irk you when it's like, God, why didn't you do this? It's so obvious to me that this is how God should have operated, and yet he chose not to do that. Well, that's exactly what Mary and Martha were thinking. So when Jesus does arrive, he shows up. It's, it's, it's been four days since Lazarus died. He shows up, and they say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We see that in verses 21 and then again in 32. These sisters of the dead man, Lazarus. If you had been here, why weren't you here? They're full of disappointment. How could Jesus have let them down like this? Jesus, you've healed so many others. Why wouldn't you heal your own friend? Now, these sisters loved Jesus. I want to be clear about that. They loved Jesus. They believed in him, but they were confused and they were hurting. And then Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, the one who believes in me, even though they will live, sorry, the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Because Jesus holds eternity in his hands. Because Jesus has the power over death. Because Jesus himself would be raised to life on the third day by the power of God following his crucifixion. So it's springtime. And isn't springtime wonderful? It's just filled with signs of life. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, it's exciting to come out of winter to see warmer temperatures. And you're like, but didn't we see? Never mind that. <laughs> Never mind the snow you saw this week. Um, in fact, Rachel, could I get Juliana? 
You see birds chirping and new life abounding. The Reisner family is celebrating new life in a really amazing way this year. (laughs) This is Juliana Hope. This is her first time here. She's three weeks old. We are so thankful. We are so grateful to the Lord. She's healthy. Rachel's doing well. I do want to just take the opportunity to say thank you to our church family, to our dear friends here. You've blessed us. You've come alongside us during this time. Uh, I took some paternity leave to be at home. A a homemaker I am not. Uh, But to to give Rachel the opportunity she needed to, to rest and recover and so thank you for the ways you've blessed us and helped us and fed, fed us. Um, we would have starved otherwise. <laughs> um, but I just, I appreciate the ways you've, you've come alongside us and helped us. And it was, it was a one, it's just been a wonderful time for our family, celebrating, enjoying life. Um, even here, knowing that ministry continued to go on when I took some time off. Um, I watched a documentary on how ships are made. It was riveting. Maybe I should tell you, I also watched one on frogs. It was riveting. (laughs) Uh, But I I want to give a shout out to Jeremy Hostetler. He was in the pulpit the last two Sundays and just did a a fantastic job. Jeremy, thank you for your ministry. It is so cool to have uh, some, some people that we're working with here that are on our staff. And they're young and they're fresh and they're filled with energy and ideas. And just to, to have some small part uh, in equipping and empowering and, and seeing them uh, thrive and succeed. So Jeremy is one. Nick, our worship leader, is another. And I'm very pleased to announce that he was confirmed uh, in an overwhelming fashion just recently. So thank you for uh, filling in those ballots and affirming Nick in his role as worship leader. Uh, we're just really blessed to have some of these young guys who are now in full-time ministry uh, who are learning, who are growing, who are doing a fantastic job. So thank you for, for carrying on. That, that enabled me to have the time I needed with my family. So we're just, we're delighted and really wanted to show off Juliana today. Uh, but let's get back to our study in the uh, Gospel of John. Mary and Martha are grieving. They're hurting because their brother has died. And so Jesus is there. So he he does finally show up and he's with them and they're at the grave. They're at the tomb of their brother Lazarus. In fact, Jesus, he sees their grief. He sees how much they're hurting and he is moved to tears himself. You're like, I know, I memorized that verse when I was eight years old. John 11, 35. What does it say? (laughs) Yeah. But I don't want to just gloss over that. You know, we kind of do that. We're like, Shortest verse in the Bible, it's kind of humorous. I've, I've memorized scripture, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. But let's just pause there for a moment. He sees that they're hurting. That when, when, when someone dies and you're just distraught, you're beside yourself. And he himself then was moved to tears. This morning, those of us who were at the uh, sunrise service, Josh Ware, he's pastor down at uh, Church of Christ, and he had a meditation this morning. And... Uh, In his words, this was not a single tear. This was ugly crying. (laughs) This was Jesus is, he's distraught himself. He's moved because he sees how much his friends are hurting. 
So here's what I want to point out. No, Jesus didn't spare Lazarus from the agony of death. No, Jesus didn't spare Mary and Martha from despair and hurt and sorrow. But that doesn't mean that he didn't love them. In the same way, we're going to experience pain and hardship. But it is not, listen to me, it is not because we are unloved. It is not because God is not full of compassion. When God seems to be doing nothing, he may be doing more than you could ever imagine. Mary and Martha saying, what's Jesus doing? He's doing nothing. When God seems to be doing nothing, is it possible that he's doing something greater than you could ever imagine? Jesus had declared, we see it right here, John eleven four. 4. He had declared that Lazarus' sickness was for the glory of God. And so when Lazarus died, Jesus used the opportunity to bring glory to his father. No, he didn't do what people were expecting. He didn't heal Lazarus from his sickness. He did something much bigger, didn't he? He did something much bigger. Because we're talking about resurrection this morning. And isn't this interesting? We've not yet talked about the resurrection of Jesus. We will in a minute. We're talking about the resurrection of Lazarus. There are times when God doesn't do what you expect. There are times where God doesn't operate in the ways that I think God should. But he holds eternity in his hands. He alone holds the power of life and death. And so he can use those situations for his glory. So the follower of Jesus says, Lord, this is hard. Lord, I'm hurting right now, but be glorified in it. Be glorified through it. God has something bigger in mind. Randy Reed was a 34-year-old construction worker. He, he was welding on top of a water tower. This was outside of Chicago. He unhooks his safety gear because he needed to reach for some pipes that were nearby. And a metal cage slipped and bumped into the scaffolding upon which he stood. So the scaffolding tipped. Reed, of course, loses his balance and he falls. It was a 110-foot fall from a water tower. 110-foot fall, and he lands face down on a pile of dirt. He just managed to avoid a, a pile of rocks and some other construction debris. So a fellow worker calls 911. The paramedics arrive. They find Reed awake, moving, and he's actually complaining of a sore back. <laughs> and so they loaded him up on the backboard, and as they're carrying him to the ambulance, he says, don't drop me. This is a true story. I just, I, I want to point out something here. Like, he fell 110 feet and survived. And now he's concerned about a, what, three-foot drop off of the backboard. He managed to come away from this accident with just a bruised lung. No other damage. No broken bones. But isn't it humorous how we really, we're like him. We're saved from God by the 110-foot drop. But somehow, we get worried about that three-foot height. The God who is able to save us from sin, to save us from an eternity in hell, is able to help you face the challenges that are in front of you this week. Can I get an amen? He has saved you from the 110-foot drop, so don't worry about the three-foot fall from the stretcher. 
Maybe you're dealing with disappointment and hardship right now. Or how about this? Has God acted in a way that you didn't expect? Maybe you've been asking God to come through for something and you've been telling God what you want him to do and just simply hasn't happened. Well, this morning I want you to take heart. When Jesus seemingly was doing nothing as his friend Lazarus died, he was working it out for his glory because he had something bigger in mind. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can breathe life into any situation that you're dealing with. So entrust that situation to God. And then ask God to use those circumstances for his glory. And then just watch and see what God does. Just watch and see the way God works and the way God comes through. And then proclaim it. Thank him for it. Celebrate that our God is alive, that he is at work, and that he is a good God. It may seem like he's doing nothing. Chances are he's doing more than you could ever ask or imagine. If you don't believe me, well, just ask Lazarus. (laughs) Just ask the one who faced down the agony of death and was placed in the tomb, sealed up, goodbye, done, your life is over. But let's go back to John 11. In verse 39, Jesus says, remove the stone from Lazarus' tomb. And they're like, ah, you're a little late. (laughs) They're like, are you crazy? Dude's been in there four days. He's starting to stink. You, you missed the boat, Jesus. You're late. And then verse 40, Jesus says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. They removed it. And then verse 43. Jesus calls out in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, verse 44. The dead man came out. His hands and feet are wrapped with strips of linen. There's a cloth around his face. Jesus, the resurrection and the life, stepped up to the tomb of his friend and he called him forth from the dead. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Why? Because he holds eternity in his hands. And so doesn't it stand to reason that he alone should be trusted with our eternity? That it's only through him, my friends, that we are raised to life. You know, sometimes you go to a a show and you see an illusionist. Um, Some of the Reisner kids are starting to dabble in doing some sleight of hand, some tricks, some illusions. Um, you go to a show and you watch, you watch as the illusionist does the trick and, and really you, it, it demands a response. And, and I've noticed that people respond in different ways. Like, like you can respond with wonder with like, whoa, that was awesome. Or you can respond cynically. Wow. There's a trap door somewhere. Wow. That's just, uh, that person was in on the trick. They weren't just randomly chosen from the audience. You know, it demands a response. Now, I do want to be clear that the resurrection of Lazarus, this is no magic trick. This is a true story. It, it was a miracle. But in the same way, it demands a response. That, that Jesus can call forth the dead. 
Like, would the onlookers there at the site, who, who maybe had been there and watched the dead man be placed in the tomb, and then they see Jesus call it, and out he comes, would they believe that Jesus was actually who he said he was, that he was sent from God, he was son of God, he was the savior of the world? Will we believe today, each and every one of us, as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, will we believe? That what we're celebrating today, it's not a myth. It's not make-believe. It's not just some happy story about Jesus who really died, but we claim that he came back to life. But that our Lord Jesus did, in fact, rise triumphant on the third day. This resurrection, it demands a response from us. Will we believe? Will we say, yes, this is truth. This is a historical fact. You see, because as we're talking today about the resurrection of Lazarus in John chapter 11, we're mindful of the fact that the story of Lazarus is really a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus. And so you know that story, probably. That he was crucified. He was laid in the tomb. That happened on a Friday, and it was Sunday morning. That some of his followers went to the tomb. And what did they find? It was empty. We read about this in Matthew 28. We can turn in our Bibles there. Verses 5 and 6. The women who are at the tomb. And there's an angel there. And the angel says to the women. Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He's risen. Just as he said. That was declared to the women. Don't be confused. And I don't know why you're in there. That, that, that's the place for dead people. Jesus isn't in there because he's not dead, because he is alive. The resurrection of Jesus is a real historical event. And it is based on that, my friends, that we have hope. That Jesus is alive. That, that's what ensures our eternal life. Chuck Colson was a... Uh, he, he was Richard Nixon's special counsel, and he was one of the Watergate henchmen. He's now a follower of Jesus. And he made a statement on the resurrection that I wanted to share with us this morning. Colson says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured if it weren't true. And then he juxtaposes that between the Watergate scandal. He says this, um, Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. So we have this teaching from Paul as well on the importance of the resurrection. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If we look at verses 18 and 19, Paul teaches... If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And then he says this in verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we of all people most to be pitied. You might hear self-help gurus or people that want to promote health and wellness and living life to the fullest here and now. And, I, and I'm for that. I, want, I think God intends for us to, 
to flourish and thrive, to live an abundant life. But if our hope is only for this side of eternity, that's no hope. We, we're to be pitied. The one who has hope only for this life, catch this, is to be pitied. Oh, you're only focused on the, the 80 years that God's going to give you here? No, because we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the one who holds the power of eternity in his hands. And the life with Jesus, it begins now and it lasts forever. So let me ask you this morning. Do you have hope for all eternity? Are you secure in the place that you are with God through Christ? No matter what your circumstances, no matter those hardships, no matter those agonizing moments, Lazarus faced death. Mary and Martha had to go through all the despair and gloom of losing someone and asking God, why don't you heal him? And God didn't seem to do what they wanted. Maybe that's where you are today. And I want to encourage you today to put your trust in him entirely, completely, and in him alone. He alone holds the power of eternity in his hand, so trust him with your eternity. And I would put the offer on the table today that if you want to pray, it would be my honor to... Let's meet up after the service. Just go with you before God's great throne of mercy. To call on him, to ask him to help, to ask him to bless, to ask for his salvation, for ask for his hand of guidance in your life. Do you have hope? Not just for this life, but hope. For all eternity. Are you struggling with God maybe not doing what you think God should be doing? Trust that he is at work. Trust that he sees you and he cares about you. So the sun rose this morning. <laughs> Glorious and beautiful. It was breathtaking. I, I was standing next to Jeremy Hostetler at the sunrise service. I just couldn't help when I when I saw the sun just kind of peeking up. I had to elbow Jeremy and go, look, 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 look at the sun. It's coming up. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. And isn't it just amazing how quickly things change when the sun comes up? Like only moments before it's that still of night, you know, where it can be kind of, it's like kind of dark and cold and even creepy in a way. We, we were at a cemetery this morning for the, <laughs> for the sunrise service. Like, like, those moments before the sun rises, it's kind of that still of night and it's dark, but then the sun comes up and all of a sudden the birds begin to sing and the temperatures begin to warm up and the new day has begun. So even when we're not watching, by the way, God is at work. The sun comes up each and every day, whether I'm out there looking for it or not, it comes up because God is faithful and the light is more powerful than the darkness. So today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. No, we don't have the same protocol as the, when the Queen of England dies. You know, no laughing in England. <laughs> we celebrate with joy and jubilance that he is alive, that he lives forevermore. Jesus' resurrection is like a dawn breaking through the night. In fact, he himself said that, that, that our lives are to be lived out as like lamps on a stand. From Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. 
Let it shine before others that that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So are you a complainer and a grumbler? It's time to start thanking God for what he's doing. Did you thank God for the glorious day he's given us today? The beauty of the sunrise and whether you saw it or not. It's time to start meditating on the things that are true, the things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. The resurrection of Jesus means that we are raised to life. It means that we have hope. And yes, there are days in our life that are not easy. There are moments we'd rather forget. There are times to give in, times to give up, time to move on, but not today. There are days when the darkness just seems to surround us, when the night appears to be endless. But not today. Today is like a sunrise that resurrects it all. Today is a light that breaks every darkness, that shines brighter than the sun because Jesus is alive. And so today we look into that empty tomb, the one that held the body of Jesus, but now by the power of God is empty because he is overcome. Because he is victorious. So to him be the honor and the glory. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, that you are with us. That you are not the God who watches us from afar or is uninterested and uninvolved in our lives, but that you are actively at work in our lives and in our world. That you are bringing redemption and restoration and healing to situations that are hurt and broken. Lord, I thank you that even in those dark times, you will shine light and you call us to come out of the darkness and into the light. And so we do that today and we do it simply By trusting. Your will be done. So thank you God. That you are alive. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. Thank you that on the third day he rose triumphant. We celebrate. Who you are and what you've done. You are the living God. You are the risen one. You live forevermore. You conquered sin and death and are victorious. And so we celebrate, Lord. We shout it out just as you shouted for Lazarus to come forth from the grave. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Praise you. That you raise us to life. We pray these things in Jesus' name only. Amen.